What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're part of the family. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter for a chance to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, Get set up with the free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So make sure to check them out at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. Mike and Virginia will treat you like family and give Virginia a call directly at 303-257-6578. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach Mace and the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four, we're still waiting for. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this wonderful Wednesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, guys, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Mace, with the spring semester right around the corner, what are you going to do differently with your life come just a few weeks from now? Well, we have a few suggestions. Our friends at MSU Denver have some great options for you. And time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education, which allows you to adapt into varying careers. And you can build that toolbox you need at MSU Denver. One of the great things that they do is they not only give you fantastic classes, teach you what you need to know for once you graduate, but they also do it on your schedule. So go check them out and build your schedule over at msudenver.edu slash online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing all right, better than the state of Colorado, although I've been thinking a lot about this. Of course, this week in Colorado, we have a new color-coded dial to determine the level of trouble that uh, we're at at various counties here in the state of Colorado. So as bad as things are for orange, it's worse to be purple. So unfortunately, <laughs> the state is making a poor comment on the Rockies and still saying the Broncos aren't as bad as they could be, even though they're three and six, four years in a row. Yeah, and, and red for the Chiefs is what the what Denver is about to enter into, and that's bad as well. So you're right. Orange isn't as bad as red, Mace. 
if maybe the Nuggets should then rethink this whole uh, red alternate jersey thing that it looks like they're unveiling here today. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Man, a lot of new jerseys. I mean, th- this is UNRK's time to be alive this week with jerseys in Colorado. I feel like that should be a, a, a podcast here. I mean, I've got I've got some strong opinions about the uh, <laughs> the the Nordalanch uh, jersey that that is out. I mean, I love the look, but man, if I were in Quebec, I'd be I'd be angry, man. That would it would hurt it would hurt me a little seeing that igloo in Avs colors with Avs burgundy. At least out in Carolina, they're wearing the Hartford Whalers uniform, but they're not wearing it in red and black you know that, <laughs> all right that that's what this is like i mean that was so yeah i'm if i if i'm a, if i were a quebec fan I'd, I'd be a little steamed at this and by the way the only avs nordiques jersey that i own is actually an old quebec jersey that's a cult white home the white home one that they wore so you know wow that's that's pretty legit, Mace. that is pretty cool uh, now, always like the logo even though, although I wasn't a fan, I always liked the Igloo logo. Well, unfortunately for you, there's uh well, you don't really like the Broncos uh, jerseys with the swoosh that they have going on. There's no Broncos uniform change today, yeah, <laughs> given given the disgusted look. Uh, but Mace, there may be a bigger change on the way. It very much looks like Brett Rippon has a chance to play this week. Yesterday, news comes out that Drew Locke has a pretty severe strain and bruising, although no fractured ribs. Pretty severe strain and bruising around his ribs, Mace, which definitely puts his status for Sunday's game in jeopardy. We talked about it yesterday and and what it means, how the Broncos should handle Drew. And we pretty much said if he's not, if if there's a chance that this injury could be uh, re-aggravated, then you Mm -hmm. don't play him this week. You let him get healthy. However, if, if he is healthy, you do play him. You don't just bench him. Well, Mace, if he's not healthy, the Broncos will turn to an undefeated quarterback, a 1-0 Brett Rippon. Yeah, the team is undefeated. And, of course, Brett Rippon had the good fortune of looking across the line of scrimmage and seeing the New York Jets in his only start. So would we be talking about Brett Rippon with the adjective undefeated if the Broncos had gone against anybody else on the schedule that week. No, no one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brett Brett played a really good game until the fourth quarter. It's kind of the opposite of what mm. Drew's done uh, for two of the past three weeks. Uh, Brett was two touchdowns, no interceptions going into that fourth quarter. What, what looked very much in control, looked very comfortable in the NFL, despite it being his first start in the NFL. And then that third quarter came and it, it was rough. What was it? Three interceptions in the third quarter in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He had three interceptions for the game for, for the game here. Looking back at it. Yeah. It was he two had, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right. Cause he had an interception in the second quarter and ten, then two in the fourth on back-to-back possessions. Right. Exactly. So on the game, Brett went 19 of 31. So 61% completion. You'll take that any day. 242 yards. You'll take that any day from a backup. Two touchdowns, one interception going into the fourth. And then in the fourth, no touchdowns, two interceptions, one of them being a pick six. Uh, yeah. But you know what? The Broncos held on, and, and the Broncos made it look like an easy win when Melvin Gordon took that 
uh, about 50 yards into the end zone right before the game ended. So the Broncos won by nine points. It was an easy win. Oh, uh, easy is not how I would <laughs> I would describe that game. And I, and also, I mean, uh, Melvin Gordon had the clinching run, but I also what I also recall is uh the is the defense really stiffening over the course of that game to where after Sam Darnold's gallop through the secondary, all they allowed were field goals after that. And so again, it's the New York Jets. By the way, the Jets, Zach, they have seven interceptions all season, and three of them came against Brett Rippon, a very similar tale to the Raiders who uh, who who had as many interceptions Sunday as they had in the previous 14 regular season games going back to last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mace, the Broncos are facing a different type of team this week uh, where they're not the New York Jets. The Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins, Mace, are what the Denver Broncos want to be. They have a top five defense led by a defensive minded head coach. And that defensive minded head coach, Brian Flores, has the Dolphins fiery on defense to start this season. And so, Mace, there's a lot of talk out there, especially on Twitter. Uh, people, The people that are done with Drew Locke are very much welcoming this opportunity for Brett Rippon to play because they liked what they saw in that first game. And also, what they, they liked what they saw the drive before that game, where, of course, he came in relief uh, against the Tampa Bay Bucks when Jeff Driscoll was clearly not the guy. Went in, moved the ball downfield. No. He ended with an interception, but people people liked what they saw there. They liked what they saw against the Jets. They point to the one and zero undefeated and say, "Let's just see if Brett Rippon is the guy." We touched on this yesterday, but I think the coaching staff ha- has really told us exactly how they view Brett Rippon, and that, like you said, Mace, yesterday when the Broncos turned to Jeff Driscoll, the Broncos said, "We need a backup." We're going to bring in Blake Bortles to be the backup. Now, Brett Rippon got his shot and took that, so good for him. So we, we kind of know what the coaching staff thinks, but Mace, is there any is there any credence to Brett Rippon being the guy and needing that shot? No. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. And I, I, I noted this in my piece uh, late yesterday afternoon uh, that the season is still about Drew Locke. And it's still about finding out what he has. And if you do have a risk of re-injury for him in terms of this rib strain, this rib strain that he's got, then you should sit him out. But if you sit him out, it's with the intention of him going back in as soon as possible, which ideally would be one week. And then he's healthy and good to go for the stretch run. The thing with Brett Rippon is, first of all, let's just rewind the clock back to August, early September. If the Broncos were that enamored with Brett Rippon, they would they they would have kept him on the fifty three man roster, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. If they were enamored with Brett Rippon, would they have signed Jeff Driscoll? Would they have kept Jeff Driscoll as the quarterback ahead of him? Nope. Okay. And then going further down the line, if they thought Brett Rippon could step in for Jeff Driscoll, would they have added Blake Bortles? Certainly not. Right. Now, I think Rippon did surprise some people in the building with how composed he was. And certainly in the just over a game of work we've seen from Brett Rippon, he maximizes his strengths very well. He is a cerebral quarterback. He's 
very good at diagnosing the intent of the defense. The thing that he did that impressed me was he did a, frankly, a better job than we've seen of Drew Locke, especially in the last few games, of getting the offensive line in the right protection pre-snap, which helps him have time to throw. But at the same time, the like the interceptions, for example, some ill-advised throws, and also with with the bad throws that he did have against the Jets, it's it's just not enough on the ball. There's not enough arm talent there. If he isn't completely accurate, if he's just a little bit late with the ball, the defense is going to be able to jump it. And it's one reason why we saw him rack up four picks there in just over a game worth of, of work. So I think I think the end the end sum of Brett Rippon is he can become a solid backup, but this is not somebody that you see as a long term starter. Yeah, and I think Drew Locke could still be that. So that's why if he's out there, it's a temp job. Drew Locke gets 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 back in as soon as his health allows. Yeah, Mace, I, I think Brett is playing for something this week if he does play. And that's to prove that he's the backup because right. I really liked what I saw from him in those first three quarters of the game. And you know what? He had that silly interception where he was trying to throw the ball away. And he just didn't successfully throw the ball away. It was a really poor decision, an easy one to correct. You you don't imagine that that's going to happen every single week. So going into the fourth quarter, two touchdowns to one pick. I really like the command that Brett Rippon had. But Mace, like you said, four interceptions in just over four quarters of play is unacceptable. I mean, we just saw it with Drew, four four interceptions in, in a game. Unacceptable. No matter who you are, you can't do that. And so I'm not 100% comfortable about Brett Rippon being the backup for the long term, like signing him up to a new deal, cutting a Jeff Driscoll after this year, and making sure that Brett Rippon's your backup for the next five years. So this would be that, that's what this game would be. Show us that you can come in when we need you uh, uh, off a whim and play and control the game. And what what's what's a realistic expectation to win forty percent of the games? I mean, if you can keep the team in half the games and and almost get those wins, then that that's kind of a realistic expectation for for a backup. And so that's what we need to see from Jeff this week. He's he's not fighting for the job for the starting job this year for the starting job next year. He's fighting to be the backup. Was that Freudian slip there, Zach? I heard you say Jeff. Ah, yes, that was, that was, <laughs> Jeff would be the backup this week in this case. Yes, he would. Now, I think the interesting thing, uh, I, everything you said is spot on. He's, he's playing to potentially be the backup. And I would argue this, uh, Jeff Driscoll, I think the, the boat has kind of sailed. And if he is the Broncos backup quarterback next year, something went wrong. I, I would, I, I would offer this on on Brett Rippon, he is playing to keep the Broncos from re-signing Blake Bortles right after the season and projecting Blake Bortles as the backup quarterback for next year. Mm. At minimum, I think it, obviously the scenario could change. We could be talking about someone else coming in as a hedge for Drew Locke if the Broncos want to run Drew Locke back and see if a, a full off season ca- can't help him. The other interesting thing about this game with Brett Rippon, Zach, compared to the last one, the Jets had one possession of film and a short week. No practices because that was a Thursday night game. Now you have a scenario where 
The Dolphins have a full week of practice. The Dolphins do have film on Brett Rippon, a game's worth from that from that Jets encounter. So they're going to be able to prepare for Brett Rippon's strengths and weaknesses in a way that perhaps the Jets couldn't. So this is a it's a, this is a fascinating moment because you have that on that side, and then on the other side, the Broncos have an I a, maybe a better idea of what Brett Rippon can and can't do. You talk about the interception uh, when he's trying to throw the ball away. I mean, that's rem- unfortunately Zach, that's reminiscent of your boy Trevor Simeon back in 2017 against the Bills, and uh, what those plays have in talent or have in common is an inability to have enough arm talent to to put enough on the ball to get that thing out of bounds. And and that, because that's something that if you've got a sufficient NFL arm, you never miss on a throwaway. You just get it out of bounds, go on to the next play. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And also a lot of people say Brett Rippon could have had four picks if Jerry Judy didn't moss the Jets uh, <laughs> go, going into the end zone because that ball was underthrown. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, th- there's, there's limitations. And we get a comment here from uh, Roussel who mm-hmm. says, are we confident Pat Shermer can create a game plan for him? Uh, and here's what I'll say. I like the game plan that Pat Shermer created for Brett Rippon. It, it was very quick. It was get the ball out quick. And that was something that Brett Rippon could do. In fact, I love the way Brett Rippon was diagnosing the defense at the line, really doing something that we haven't seen much in the past few years in Denver. Uh, and then it, it is about getting the ball out quick, getting the ball out quick. It's a totally different game plan than when you have Drew Locke. You do not want him holding on to the ball. He is a guy that can stay right. in the pocket, whereas Drew, what have we been preaching? Get him outside. Get him on the move. That's what he wants to do. You have to do that. Brett Rippon, no. Just have him catch it and throw it. Catch the snap, throw it. That that's what this should be a very quick game plan. Um, now, Mace, let's say Brett Rippon plays really well, though, <laughs> and let me give you a few scenarios in terms of statistics on how Brett does, uh, and tell me what the Broncos do. Because the good thing about this Drew Lock injury, if he misses this weekend's game, there's a chance he doesn't miss this game, and then we're not we're talking about Brett Rippon being the the backup again for this Sunday. Um, but if he misses this game, the good thing about Drew's injury is that it probably should only be a one-game injury. He should right. probably back the following week against the Saints when the Broncos likely play a backup quarterback in Jameis Winston. So let's say Brett Rippon goes out, Mace. Two touchdowns, one interception, 60% completion, 200 yards, and the Broncos keep it within one score but lose. Well, what are you doing the following week at quarterback? I'm starting Drew luck. Easy. Yep. I I totally agree. All right. Let's make the stakes a little tougher here. Let's say, let's say three touchdowns, one interception, the Broncos lose by one and score in the high twenties. What are you doing the following week? I'm I'm starting Drew Locke because I think short of Brett Rippon being damn near perfect. The thing is, if you, Start Brett Rippon over a healthy Drew Locke. You're almost certainly saying that's it for Drew Locke. Yep, you you would be. Yeah, and the whole point of this exercise now that you're sitting at three and six and you're almost certainly out of the playoff picture here, barring a miracle of not only the Broncos going seven and zero or six and one, but uh, other things falling their way among the other teams in contention. It's about finding out if, if Drew Locke can be the guy, and that means giving him every snap possible. If you, if if Brett Rippon stays on the job and Drew Locke is healthy, then 
you know what, that, that then the Broncos organization has made the call on Drew Locke. And I know people are going to say, well, back in 1983, John Elway was on the bench and then he came back in. It, it's a different scenario. You don't, you're, you're not talking about uh, benching, benching Drew Locke for a guy who is a veteran quarterback who's already got some experience. And oh, by the way, that team in Denver – in 1983, even though the year before they were two and seven in that weird strike year, it was a team that in full seasons was used to being a playoff contender. So there was a bit more urgency in the moment for Dan Reeves and the Broncos in 1983. And they had a, a reasonably proven veteran option in Steve DeBerg, who I believe at that point was in his sixth or seventh NFL season by then. This isn't Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon is not Steve DeBerg. Now, maybe someday he becomes Steve DeBerg, but he's not Steve DeBerg in 1983. So I'm just kind of anticipating what some are going to say here. And because because with Drew Locke, when he struggles, and I've heard it and you've heard it on social media, people saying, what about John Elway? John Elway was this as a rookie. John Elway was this in his few, first few starts. Blah, 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 Peyton, blah, blah. Peyton Manning. Peyton also threw 26 touchdowns in his right. rookie season. <laughs> Right. It's different, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very different today. You know, today, Zach, if Peyton Manning were a rookie and having, um, and, and playing at the level that he did as a rookie, Peyton, his rookie season would probably be a, a couple more touchdowns based on just how the standards have changed. He'd probably be talking about throwing two to four more touchdowns. So 28 to 30 touchdowns. And I imagine his picks would drop from 28 to about 20. Yeah. If he played yeah. today. Yeah, and and then that's something you can live with with a rookie because the flashes right. were all over the place uh, with, with those type of numbers. Uh, and, and Mace with with Brett Rippon, you say he needs to uh, he would need to do something incredible in order to keep the job over a healthy Drew Lock. So what are we talking about? G- give me a situation where Brett Rippon does something so incredible that the Broncos say we can't bench you, even though Drew Lock is healthy. Three touchdowns, no picks, completes over 70% of his passes, and the Broncos end up putting north of 30 points on this Miami Dolphin defense, which is uh, something, uh, by the way, the only three teams that have surpassed 21 points against the Dol- against the Dolphins this year are Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen. So two of the really outstanding young quarterbacks in this game right now and somebody who for most of the season was playing at an MVP level before really hitting the skids a little bit in terms of Wilson having a bad game against the Rams last week. And uh, Mace, do the Broncos have to get the win in that scenario? Or if the defense gives up, you know, 40, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, I wouldn't say they have to get the, the win. And then in that case, if they don't win then it matters how the points came because right. if it's more garbage time points, then yeah. Okay, fine. Right. Uh, you're, you're, it, there, there's no doubt, but I mean, you're, you've, you're talking just a game that is to you to, I'm going to take it beyond your word because you might say magnificent. <laughs> what is beyond magnificent transcendent? Yes. Yes. Okay. A, a transcendent performance that is, and, and you know what it's, one of those things where you'll know when you see it, a transcendent performance where you say, you know what, maybe this guy has something we don't expect. But the thing is, if you do that, 
you also have to think about what this is saying for Drew Locke and to Drew Locke. Yeah, yeah. It would say, it's over, is right. what it would be saying to Drew Locke. And and Mason, I, I agree with you, except I think a transcendent performance 95% of the time will get the win. So I do mm-hmm. think it will if we're talking about Brett Rippon starting another game, even though Drew Locke is healthy, I think it's the Broncos do get the win. Uh, but I agree with you, Mace. Two touchdowns, one interception, and you lose by seven. No, it's Drew Locke the next week. Uh, you know, it is if, if you're not scoring 30 points, have pretty much three touchdowns to no picks, and you, you're not you're winning the game, then it's Brett Rippon. Otherwise, it's going to be Drew Locke. And Mace, there's, a, there's some people. Oh, I'll let you get in here. Yeah. Well, first of all, think about this, Zach, in terms of the possibility of playing well and not winning. The Dolphins, their last eight games, they're averaging 30 points a game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the sometimes now obviously they're getting uh, some help with uh, with defense and special teams, but you, you look at the Dolphins and uh, you know you look at them and, and you're like, wow. I mean, this is a this has become a really good team. Yeah. This is this this is a a huge challenge, and this is why I think we're talking about these uh, huge type of numbers for Brett Rippon for him to seize the job. Boy, oh boy! I mean, it would be an impressive accomplishment to win this game, unless Miami just completely falls on its face because the 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 form the Dolphins are showing it's it's actually in some ways Zach, it's starting to it's reminding me a little bit of the Patriots in Bill Belichick's second year on the job, which is when Tom Brady went to the lineup in terms of their hat. It's it, maybe it doesn't look It doesn't look elegant, but you're looking at the end results week after week and they're delivering in in every phase. Yep. They are the, the dolphins are the fifth best scoring defense in the league right now, giving up 20 points per game. That's why it would be incredible if he dropped 30 points Mm -hmm. uh, against this. And Mace, there's some people making the argument that, uh, you know, this is a perfect excuse for the Broncos to say Drew is hurt and to get a shot, to get a look at Brett Rippon and see if he's the guy. No, they, mm-hmm. that, that that is not true. That is not what they're doing. Because if that's what they were doing, Mace, then they have said Drew Locke is not the guy. They have said that they are done with Drew. They don't need to see anything more than Drew. And that's not what's happened. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe if this was the end of the year, then I would say, okay, yeah, may, maybe that's what's happening. But this is not what's happening. I promise you, they are not saying that this is a perfect excuse to get Brett Rippon in there to see if he's the guy. 100%. I mean, this is still about Drew Locke. I mean, they were looking at this four game stretch in particular, as far as getting an idea, but Locke, the plan was and remains for Locke to get as much playing time in the rest of the season as his health will allow. And that's why I I do think if, if Locke, is feeling discomfort today and tomorrow, then the best course of action is going to be to sit him, but put a time clock on it. As soon as he is ready to go, he goes back in there. And I would expect if he sits this week, he would be ready to go next week. Yeah, I agree. Mace, did you see what Ben Roethlisberger tried to pull with Mike Tomlin uh, earlier this week? No, I did not. So last week, Ben wasn't feeling well throughout the week, so he didn't play. Then on Friday, the, the last practice of the week, he went out there through 50 passes uh, and then, of course, lit it up this past weekend for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers in a win. So this week he said, hey, coach, why don't we just do the same thing? Give me a couple practices off. I'll come in Friday, <laughs> light it up, and then I'll light it up again. And Mike Tomlin said, 
we'll see you at practice this week. <laughs> and the, the reason I bring that story up is Drew, it doesn't seem like he's going to do that. It doesn't seem like Vic Fangio is going to take that approach where Drew either gets very limited practice or no practice and then plays. And there's a very big difference between Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Locke. Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, so, so, so much experience. Those are, those are guys that can do that. Those are guys that can miss nearly a full week of practice, and the coaching staff still feels comfortable having them go out there and play with barely any practice. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing with Drew. But Vic said it pretty much on Monday. He said, Drew needs to get a good week of practice in, uh, at least a couple practices in order to play. So, Mace, mm-hmm. if we don't see him practice this week, I do not think they say, all right, Drew, go out there and play. I think that then it's very clear it's going to be Brett. 100%. Yeah. You've got to have in the parlance of John Fox, you got to have skins on the wall to be able to do that. Kind of like Shannon Sharp toward the end of his career, who would have weeks where he, he, he wouldn't practice Wednesday. He wouldn't practice Thursday. He'd be out there Friday, ready to go Sunday. And remember in the 2015 season, we saw a bunch of vets on the Broncos get that kind of deal when they had some injuries. I think I'm not sure Owen Daniels ever actually practiced (laughs) in the back half of that season, but boy, oh boy, when they really needed him in the AFC championship game, he was Peyton's guy. (laughs) Yep. He was catching touchdowns when it mattered. And the difference between all of those guys and Drew Locke is of course, very experienced Mm -hmm. and, and, and very good play too from, you know, a lot of that defense as well. And that's something that we haven't seen from Drew at least very recently. So it's something that, you know, is the storyline here and it's going to be interesting because what if Brett Rippon goes out and puts out a transcendent performance. Well, that's about <laughs> all that can happen for him to keep the job. Mace, before we get out of here, got to get your DraftKings pick of the weekend. And I'll start with mine. I'll give you mine because, Mace, I'm on a heater with my DraftKings pick of the week. I'm 5-0 and in my past five weeks giving you my DraftKings pick of the week. And I'm going back to the winning well. And that is Alabama football. Of course, they had a bye last week, wasn't able to play LSU because of COVID. Uh, but Al- Alabama has helped me three times. I'm undefeated going with them. They set a line against Kentucky at 30 and a half points. Give me all 30 and a half points. Give me Alabama to beat Kentucky by more than that. Kentucky's actually put up a fight in a lot of these games, but Alabama, I think they're just they're, they are going to want to show that they are the number one team in the country because they are back on top after Clemson losing. So give me Alabama 48 to 10 to cover that 30 and a half. Wow, you know what? It's hard to go wrong uh, betting on Alabama. That that that's a good call. And, uh, you know, last week I came in ahead, but boy, I was sweating it out. Remember in the North Carolina Wake Forest game, I had. I had Wake Forest getting the points. Yep. And of, co- of course, Wake takes a huge lead. I'm not happy for North Carolina. I'm feeling good about my pick. And then my guy, Sam Howell, number one overall pick in 2022, comes roaring back and the Tar Heels take a two-score lead. And they're, <laughs> they're up 14. I'm like, oh my gosh. But then, out of nowhere, Wake Forest, after being outscored 35-0 for a chunk of the second half, the Demon Deacons march downfield. They get a touchdown. They get the two-point conversion. They lose by six. <laughs> and a you very cover. important touchdown for a lot of us out there. So I was, ha- boy, I was ecstatic. The Tar Heels won. I was happy. My daughter was happy. She was watching the game with me. And Wake Forest got the cover. 
But I'm going to move on to the Big Ten this week, and I'm going to take a look at Wisconsin Northwestern. Now, I mean, Northwestern, hey, off to a great start this year. They're 19th in the country. They're 4-0, had a couple of tough uh, – of three tough wins the last uh, three games against Iowa, Nebraska, and Purdue. Of course, they blew out Maryland to start the year, but they beat, they beat Iowa by one really good game over in Iowa city beat Nebraska by eight last week, a thrilling win to take out the Purdue Boilermakers by seven. Well, now going up against Wisconsin, this is going to be a different matter entirely. Wisconsin against Illinois and against Michigan. They are smoking people. Now, Illinois, not very good. Michigan, an underachiever. But it's the way that Wisconsin is winning. Of course, they missed a couple of games because of a COVID outbreak. But boy, Graham Mertz, quarterback, freshman, he had COVID. He did not look in any way affected by it. And Graham Mertz is another guy that I think we're going to be talking about in, uh, in the draft process a couple of years from now so even though northwestern is getting seven and a half at home i'm taking the badgers to cover that spread i love it i love it mace and hopefully you you guys follow us and you're 2-0 after those bets this weekend and before we get out of here mace gotta tell our listeners about our great membership contest that we've got going on we want to join you will, we want you to join our family, and we want to make our family even bigger here at ddnvr.com. And we would love if you signed up using the promo code Broncos because we've got a competition going on at DNVR between each beat on who can grow our our family the most. And if you use promo code Broncos to join on ddnvr.com, you'll get a free T-shirt of your choice. You'll get a mask, and you'll get a sticker pack, and you'll get our excellent coverage for an entire year you'll get to roll with us and it really supports us do this podcast for free for you guys so we'd really 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 appreciate if you helped us out and use that promo code broncos when joining go to thednvr.com click on become a member slam that promo code broncos get your free t-shirt mask and sticker pack and become part of our family and then when you do you'll have the exclusive right to leave comments on this pod where we will read them go to the thednvr.com go to the podcast and then go to the top or go, go to the first uh, podcast that is there. Go to the bottom and that is where you will, you will be able to leave comments for us to read on the pod. And Mace, speaking of those comments, let's jump into those comments. All right, Mace, before we hop into the comment section, got to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. They're back at it again with another incredible deal for this weekend's games. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using the promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet. From live betting to betting on your favorite players, they do it all. And if football is too near and dear to your heart, you don't want to bet on that, well, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up now the chance to triple their winnings for any bet placed on UFC 255. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Ah, a lot of DraftKings stuff. Hope, hope, hope my pick comes in this week. 
if but uh if you're you may you if you're interested in betting on DraftKings, of course, some of our picks the week have been rugby. Now, rugby is something that we talk about here at DNVR because you may have heard us mention there are big things happening in the Colorado rugby space, and now we can tell you all about it because DNVR is covering all things rugby in Colorado and the United States with our reporter, Colton Strickler, who's keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR Rugby Podcast. We've also got written content right here on DNVR. The big news that came out earlier this year is that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15s teams. That means the national teams, they're right here in Colorado, making Colorado the place to be for rugby in the United States. So keep up to speed with all of that on the DNVR. Dan, pardon me, DNVR Rugby Podcast. You can follow along on Twitter, DNVR Rugby. And of course, in that podcast, if you want to learn about the game of rugby, no problem. Colton has those basic Rugby 101 podcasts, podcasts, which will break down tenets of the game, let you learn it, help me learn rugby earlier this year as well. So make sure you download that DNVR Rugby podcast and follow along at DNVR Rugby on Twitter. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section. First one coming in from Casper. Fellas, I want to chime in on moving on from Elway. First, I feel like nothing will happen until either he decides to renew his contract or the new ownership decides to fire him, or he decides not to renew his contract or the new ownership decides to fire him, even if that happens. What's to say that the new GM will produce better results? If fans are frustrated now, imagine in two years from now the reset button gets hit and the team will be three to five years away from being competitive again. I doubt fans will want to wait another five years before this team is exciting again. If Elway goes, then I imagine so does the coaching staff, Locke, Vaughn, Lindsay, and everyone except McManus. Please tell me I'm wrong about this, but Elway might be the best option we have for a quick turnaround. Uh, there's some merit to that. And also, one thing to consider, if, if a GM comes in and clear cuts, regardless of talent, just clear cuts the roster starts over he's not the person that he or she is not what the person that you want as a gm you want somebody who if they come in is going to put their own stamp on the organization but is is going to look at the roster and say all right jerry judy's a really good player really nice building block bradley chubb he's a he's a building block Garrett Bowles, he's turned the corner. He looks like he's going to be building block at left tackle. So if the Broncos did have a change or had a change forced on them, hope that who they brought in would go piece by piece through the roster rather than simply saying, I'm cleaning house. I mean, a good example of that is, um, whether it's a GM or a coach, is John Fox in Carolina in 02. He took over a 1-15 in team that looked like it was going nowhere. They go to the Super Bowl in his second season and did it with, I believe, 20-some-odd players who were on that team that went 1-15, in 15, including, like, a lot of key guys. I mean, imagine if he just said, okay, I'm cleaning house. I don't need Musin Muhammad. I don't need Steve Smith. I don't need some of these offensive linemen. I don't need a, a Chris Jenkins on the defensive line. If that were the case, Carolina wouldn't have turned it around that quickly. So if the Broncos do make a change, you want to make sure that they make it to somebody who doesn't simply want to have his people on the roster, that he'll look at the roster and say, oh, I like this, I like this, I like this. We just need to tweak these other things here that aren't working. Right. And Mace, I just think it's 
I, I think there's so little chance that John Elway is not here next year. So yeah, it, exactly. It, it, he'll be here. So uh, all the talk of wanting to fire him, I, I understand it, but it's not going to happen. I mean, really, the only way we're talking about even the potential of people not being here in terms of the GM and the head coach is if this team loses out. Right. And even uh, then, you don't know that it happens because of the ownership situation, everything being so hazy. Yeah, I think I think uh, if the team loses out, John Elway's back next year, but Vic won't be. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that can happen for John not to be here. But we'll we'll see, man. I hope we're not talking about losing out, but that'd be something else. It's possible they will be underdogs in every game from here on out. Yep. D Dub says this turned into a short novel. If you guys need to skip it for time's sake, I totally understand. Having a spot to vent was cathartic enough. So Zach. You want to want me to proceed with this, or do we want to go on to the next question? Let's do it. Let's fly through it. All right. D-dubs. It's been a couple of weeks since last commenting. I guess I've shown up about the same as the Broncos during that time, at least. <laughs> I've been a Broncos fan quite literally from birth. My parents made sure the blue beanie that hugged my head at a Broncos logo proudly displayed on my forehead. My first memories of football were of Plummer running a naked boot to his right in the middle of a blizzard and dropping a dime to Rod Smith over a defending Oakland Raider for a touchdown, or how puzzlingly electric it felt seeing Jay Cutler take the reins from Jake and feeling the promise of the next great Broncos quarterback. The lows of McDaniels' tenure, the highs of dear old Pat Bowen introducing John Elway's return and welcoming Peyton Manning to the Mile High City. And now we're here. I honestly never thought I'd feel disinterested in Broncos football, but here I am. Does this make me a bad fan? Did I expect too much from them? Maybe the hype from Super Bowl 50 was too great, but the proverbial smashing of heads against steel play walls for the last five years has numbed me to what's happening. I'm apathetic. I don't really care anymore. There's a million other things I'd rather do than watch the Titanic try and scrape itself off the bottom of the Atlantic only to open more holes in the hull. It's painful to see something that is so deeply ingrained in my identity be treated as if it were meaningless by the powers that have the ability to make needed changes. I want to say it's sickening, but that's too polite. I don't know what the answer is for these Broncos I hold so dearly, but I just want the numbness I have for the team I love to stop. I appreciate all that you do to do what you can, making these weeks bearable. At this point, you're the only thing that I dare to place faith in as it pertains to the Denver Broncos. I truly appreciate all that you do for us. Oh, man, I truly appreciate that comment and you still rolling with us, even though it's been really, really tough. And I mean, all of you guys that are rolling with us now are the real OGs and will be remembered, certainly as the Broncos get better and more people join. But, uh, man, I just I hate to hear that, that you know, you, you've gotten numb because it's just been so bad. That, that, is, that is the worst, and, and that's why just any fun uh, is so great for this team because it's fun to cover. It's so much fun to be a fan, and I just wish it was more consistent. I, I do as well, and I had a, a response that I left for you, uh, D-dubs, and I, and I, and I hope, uh, hope you appreciate the fact that, uh, that uh, we, we appreciate you writing with us. Exactly, exactly. Onion Town links. On Monday morning, I got up, went to work, and didn't have an easy time listening to the pod. I have yet to involve myself in Broncos country today, except for this comment and defending myself with some uh, Ronald Reagan joke against my company's manager, who is a lifelong Raiders fan. I feel optimistic that a week out of the starting role would be good for Locke and have a chance to reset. I just remember a different vibe he gave last season compared to now. Last year, he was Buzz Lightyear, just a kid doing his best with what he's got. This year, he's the Darth Vader wannabe who's looked at nationally as a bit of a loser. 
I believe a start from the reality of a situation is justified. So I'm team bench lock, at least for a week. It seems like he has lost the need to prove himself to his teammates, and he doesn't talk about that as much this year as he did last year. It's concerning. Am I making sense, or do I fear I'm standing at the principle or at the precipice of dulled anger. Much Broncos country silently waits for a hero to emerge. Much love, Lynx. Well, as Dr. Emmett Brown said, Ronald Reagan, the actor? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, you know what? I'm thinking about what you said there on Yintown about being Buzz Lightyear last year. And you know what? Every player in the NFL, or almost every player, finds their butt being kicked in a way that has never happened in their football lives. So the question is, how do they respond? Unfortunately, it hasn't been a great response so far for Locke. He, he, you can see it in his media availability. He, he lets, his emo, lets his emotions and lets his feelings show. He keeps things on the surface. I mean, he... He's, he's struggling. He looks beaten for the first time probably ever as a football player. Yeah. Yeah. And Mace, to me, uh, I understand the people that say he needs a week off. But to me, why I don't agree with it is because you've got it or you don't. If you need a week off, what happens? Next year, you're going to need a week off after, after a bad game just to reset? That's not what a quarterback is about. That's not what a team leader is about. So Drew's going to get through this. Uh, by playing or you know he, he's not going to get through it by playing benching him is not the way to go because that when, when stuff gets tough in the NFL you don't just walk away you, you have to uh, you have to fight through it especially at the quarterback position right you're sitting him this week if you do sit him you're sitting him this week to get healthy and to make sure that he doesn't turn a, a day-to-day injury into week into a week-to-week injury that's yep. why if he were healthy we wouldn't be having any of this discussion about Brett Rippon. Drew Locke right. would be out there. End of story. Exactly, exactly. Hawkeye Bronco, my boys, with all this ownership talk, if the team were to be sold, is there an odds-on favorite buyer? Anyone who you would root for? Anyone who you would like, you would hate to see to become the owner? Either way, just bring back the old-school logo and update the uniform. Yeah, Mace, well, I, have, I have loved the old D in the end zone this season. I have as well. Hopefully there'll be some better results and maybe the Broncos will keep it for future years. Now, as far as the ownership went, there are, there are names you, you keep hearing. You keep hearing like about uh, Charlie Ergen from Dish. Uh, Robert Smith, who uh, is a billionaire who actually grew up in Denver, the CEO of Vista Equity Partners. He was the name that I was hearing. You may have heard him in the news. Uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago when he um, – paid off the student loans of that year's class at Morehouse College. Yep. Just said here, $34 million paid him off, uh, paid off all the loans for that. The problem is Robert Smith has been in the news recently and it's not for good or it's not for good reasons. I believe it was um, last month. I'm just reading this story here uh, that he was connected with a scheme that concealed income and and was involved in tax evasion. And he entered a non-prosecution agreement, admitting his involvement, cooperating with the investigation. And he has to pay $139 million in back taxes and has to abandon $182 million in charitable deductions. 
Well, now, dang, because he, he was my front runner. I guess not anymore. Well, I mean, give him – he's not going to be prosecuted. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen, for example – you know, we've, we've seen, like, the connections uh, to troublesome things that have sunk owners. I mean, for example, you know, you had um, involvement in uh, – in, and I believe it was a, a casino and some illegal stuff down in Louisiana that basically – forced Eddie DeBartolo to step aside from the 49ers, which is why uh, now you have, uh, you have Jed York running the show. If, if DeBartolo doesn't have that, then he'd probably still be running the 49ers to this day. So you wonder if something like that would sink the candidate, would sink him, even if he had any interest. I mean, there's no reports that he has any interest, but you looked at his background, the fact that he was from Denver, and certainly the fact that uh, the NFL does not have an African-American majority owner of a team and think, okay, yeah, he would have been possible. Uh, another guy that I wouldn't shut the door on was uh, 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 Ben Navarro, who was, the, who was he was from Charleston, South Carolina, so he doesn't have any Denver connections. He was second in the bidding for the Panthers. Uh, that was won by David Tepper. And actually, Navarro, who was uh, connected with Peyton Manning being involved in, his, in, in that group, uh, Navarro had a greater offer, but Tepper had a cash offer. And that was one reason why they made the deal happen with David Tepper. Jerry, the league wanted Jerry Richardson gone as quickly, as quietly as possible. And I know some people are going to say you know, Jeff Bezos and all that, but I think if Bezos got in the NFL, he'd have his eyes on others. But they're, they're going to, if the Broncos are sold, they're going to be, they're going to be some interested parties. I just hope that the party who buys the team is committed to Denver. Yes, yes, I totally agree. You want someone that, that is going to be very invested in Denver, and mm -hmm. that's why maybe that Pey Peyton Manning uh, partnership may, uh, may work out there. Now, speaking of Peyton Manning, May's next one coming in from Manning's Forehead. This <laughs> podcast is unhealthy for me. It turns me into a bipolar back-and-forth fan because all the new takes I get exposed to. Now, I can't stop thinking about Zach Azani as the future offensive coordinator. I've always loved his fire and personality, and I think he could do really well with a larger role on the team. Really scared about being a first-time play caller, though, so I would hope that Shermer and Shula work with him ASAP. Yeah, his uh, offensive coordinator experience is at Western Kentucky. He was a passing game coordinator at the University of Tennessee before he came to the Bears and went to the Broncos. So he would be kind of starting from scratch as a play caller, at least in the NFL, but certainly. He's become very well regarded in NFL circles. And uh, the receiver group, the thing that jumps out to me about his work with the receivers is that everybody gets better on his watch. Yeah. Tim Pat look, at, look at what Tim Patrick has done. Yeah, it's really Co true. Cortland Sutton became a star. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler are getting better week to week right now. Uh, you know, they, they call him Coach Z, but he earns A's for his work. And, uh, <laughs> And, you, and what happens then is when you're doing well, at some point you get the opportunity to take that jump and you see, and then you see if he can handle it or not. So it's the Peter principle, right? You don't know when someone is too high until they're one level beyond that. So if Zach Azani moved up, it would be a risk, but uh, it's, it's probably a risk worth taking because he, he, he's on the rise as a coach and he looks to have a very bright future in this league. Yeah, and here's the thing I'll caution you on Manning's forehead is that Shermer and Shula aren't going to like mentor him and slowly work him in as the offensive coordinator because that Ooh. would mean that they are losing their job. At least Shermer, he'd be losing his job. So, uh, yeah, that I, I wish that would happen, but no, it's not going to happen. 
Yep. Free Philip Lindsay. Hey guys, I saw a very interesting discussion among Broncos fans about whether Lindsay is top is a top ten running back in the league or at least a top ten rusher slash runner. I was surprised by how multiple fans arguing not just that Lindsay isn't a top 10 rusher slash runner, but he's overrated. He's barely an average running back. He's a worse running back than Gordon because of the pass catching and receiving ability. One of the pieces of evidence for Lindsay being a top 10 runner was that he's averaging five yards a carry on his career on a decent amount of carries, almost 500, which is better than running backs like Zeke, Josh Jacobs, even Saquon. There were arguments focused on whether Lindsay is better than Zeke, who does look worse without a good O-line, and Josh Jacobs. There was also talk of yards create over expected, which is a metric that supposedly accounts for how many yards a running back gets beyond what you'd expect based on O-line play, stack boxes, and other stuff. As of like a week ago, Lindsay was second best behind Dalvin Cook, Gordon was average, and Zeke and Jacobs were both bottom five. Anyway, I was surprised to hear to see some fans so down on Lindsay. Top 10 running back as a whole is a stretch, but I wonder if you guys agree with Lindsay being a top 10 rusher slash runner, and if not, who do you guys put above him? P.S. Thanks so much for all you guys doing these dark times. Your dedication keeps a lot of us in good spirits. Yeah, I definitely think in the right situation, if you're using Philip Lindsay right, he is absolutely a top 10 rusher and runner in this league. And, and Mesa, I think you and I ha- have done a, a good job detailing his struggles in the past game. And mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty much gotten worse uh, as the years have gone on for him. But not accounting that into the Philip Lindsay equation, just looking at him as a running back, yeah, he, he, he's fantastic. He's definitely a top 10 type of runner in my mind. I mean, I'd say probably bottom top ten, bottom of the top 10. So it kind of kind of at the end of that, because you'd, you'd have to put, like, for example, Dalvin Cook ahead of him. You'd have to – I would even say, even though I know he doesn't come out ahead on the uh, yards created over expected, uh, you got to put a guy like Alvin Kamara in there as well. And, of course, some of the names that you mentioned. But is he – is he in the top third of starting running backs? I'd say so, yes. Yep, I, I totally agree. Next one from Brian. Injuries or not, this Mike Munchak effect on the offensive line is odd. Bowles suddenly is a top three tackle, according to PFF, but Reisner regresses. A veteran right guard who, uh, who his floor has always been mid-tier guard is now a revolving door. A rising star at left guard now just looks bad. Reisner has been an equal part to the equation of this offensive line problems. I don't even really have a question, but just your take on our offensive line struggles after the excitement of bringing in Mike Munchak. TLDR, why does our offensive line suck with Mike Munchak? <laughs> well, I, I think you have to start with the rookie center, Lloyd Cushenberry. And although there is potential there, Covering for him, I think, is is affecting Graham Glasgow and Dalton Reisner, working around him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point, Mace. Yeah, so Cushionberry, uh, I would also kind of tie to to Drew Locke as well. Let's see where he goes the rest of the season and uh, and do an evaluation on him and see is the potential still there, or are you considering a move when you get into the off season and then. And then find out if you do make a change or if Cushenberry is back and improved in the second year. Let's see what that does for Dalton, for Dalton Reisner. Um, and then, of course, right tackle on the other side. That's, you know, that's a revolving door at this point. So, uh, Munchak, he hasn't been done any favors. The interesting thing, by the way, though, Zach, is if you search for, if you search for Munchak's name on Twitter, Steelers fans miss him. <laughs> yes, of course They're they like, do. Oh, I wish we had Munchak back. 
<laughs> well, it's not like he would give them any more wins since uh, they're perfect in that department. Uh, yeah, but it's Pittsburgh. You know, they're yeah, kind of like the Broncos. They have high standards. Yeah, yeah, they do. Bangkok Bronco checking in. Hey, gents, haven't commented much at all because I was always taught as a child that if you don't have anything nice to say, better not to say anything. And I don't have many nice things to say about the Broncos right now. However, I do have some thoughts I'd like to discuss. One, I still believe Drew can be the future, but unfortunately, I no longer think he ever will be. I think with a different OC and a different scheme, and he could become a franchise quarterback, but I don't see us getting rid of Shermer soon enough to ever find out if that's the case. Two, Watching us on special teams makes me want to physically remove my eyeballs. Ouch. Three from Mr. B. Four, this isn't aimed at you guys hosting, but we, but, but when we discuss possible trades for veteran quarterbacks in the offseason, can we please stop mentioning the names Rodgers and Ryan? I promise everyone there's a 0% chance we acquire either of these guys in 2021. Rodgers is playing too well, and Ryan's financial situation makes it too difficult, and he's also probably playing too well to be traded. Yeah, I think we kind of definitely backed off those guys. Um, so oh, I, definitely, I, yeah, Rogers definitely Rogers. <laughs> I think Matt Ryan, the one thing that is still pending is what direction the Falcons go in their GM, because it wasn't just that they fired Dan Quinn, they fired Thomas Dimitrov. Yeah. And if it is a total organizational reset that just does do what I say you shouldn't do. And that's just clear cuts, almost everything. Yeah, exactly. Five, the tailgate is incredible. I implore anyone who hasn't to go check it out. Given how they played recently, it's the best part of my Sunday. I understand your livers wouldn't allow you to do it at the bar every single week, but it's a fantastic content when you do. <laughs> so thank you all. Double B out. Well, thank you for rolling with us, Bangkok Bronco. Appreciate that. JSM17 uh, chiming in. What's up? Happy Wednesday. First, I just want to say that I appreciate you guys' coverage. Having a podcast out every day with the exception of Sunday is amazing. I work nights in security. Most of my job is patrolling and watching cameras. So I have a podcast I can listen to every night is awesome and appreciated. Second, there has been a lot of talk about quarterbacks we can bring in. If there's still questions about Drew at the end of the season. Ooh, if Carson Wentz is available, would you guys want to take a chance on him? Wow. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's some thought that says he hasn't been the same since the injury in 2017, although his passer rating was actually higher in 18 than 17. His QBR, his QBR was down that year and uh, has been on a steady – and overall he's been on a steady decline since, uh, since 2018. So hmm. maybe for the right price, but, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, he, he looks – bad and the, the thing that's alarming on Carson Wentz Zach is that his accuracy is down two years ago he was a 70 percent passer in completion percentage Zach Ooh. this year 58.2 yikes yikes yeah. I mean Mace it, what's the difference between Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold in terms of those two if you were to bring in after this season is there much difference there's not much difference in terms of their performance right now the difference is the fact that Wentz has done it before, and you say, okay, what can we do to make sure he does it, he can do it again, that he found, that he found a way. So he has it in him. But unfortunately, when you see these trends, it's pretty alarming. It's like a, it's like a slower decline version of Josh Freeman down in Tampa who had that monstrous 2010 season, but then by 
by the end of the 2012 season, it was it was done for him basically. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it'd be an exciting one, but it'd definitely be a nerve wracking one because he is just not trending in the right direction. Uh, that's that's an interesting name. We'll see if the Eagles move on from him. Next one from Dan Burke. Hey, guys, Zach, the other day you mentioned that the Packers really like Drew Locke, and everything I've heard backs us up. Several report, several Packers reporters um, have mentioned that the Packers were going to take Drew in the second round, which is why the Broncos traded up. I still believe that missing out on Drew and Drew's performance down the stretch in 2019 was a big motivating factor for them trading up for Jordan Love in the 2020 draft. And both Drew and Love have a ton of similarities, so they definitely have a type of quarterback. Totally agree, Dan. Speaking of which, uh, the Packers already have a track record of trading for second-round quarterbacks with big arms, accuracy concerns, and questionable decision-making. Deshaun Kaiser was objectively worse than Drew Locke at this time as a starter, and they gave up a a decent player at the time in, in Randall in exchange for him. So if the Broncos decide to completely move on from Drew, I don't think they will. I can definitely see the Packers being a potential landing spot for Drew, even with Jordan Love on the roster now, and the Broncos should, in theory, get decent compensation. Why would they do that when they already have Jordan Love? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the one part where I disagree about, uh, uh, about this with Dan Burke is that they would give up decent compensation for him. I think if the Broncos are moving on from him and the Packers get him with having Jordan Love, it would be like, oh, we like this guy. And he's available for a fifth or a sixth. Mm-hmm. Might as well take him. I don't think you're going to get a second back that, that you picked for him. You're not. Unless he turns it around the rest of the season, in which case you're not trading him anyway. But if, if, he, if his form maintains over the rest of the year and you did trade him, it's a probably, a, like you said, a fifth or a sixth. He's damaged goods at this point. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right, Mace. Sad to say. LDJ, so... How many of these last seven games can Drew afford to miss before it's not worth taking a risk on him next year? Because for me, he can't come in, have a great four-game run, he's the guy next year. That's not going to cut it at all. And I don't care how good Rippin is these next couple of games. I don't want to go into camp next year with a QB competition between him and Drew either. So I was curious how you guys felt because this injury thing is another stain on Drew's resume. Yeah, Mace, I, I, this is a great question from LDJ. How many games do we need to see? And I'm going to say at minimum, we have to see five. Mm-hmm. And the reason for five, and, and I still don't like that, but the reason for five is, Mace, then we would have a full 16-game sample size on Drew. He would have started and played in 16 full games by the end of this season, including the five games last season. And you have to have at least that. Um, and I would like to see all seven, but in, in those five, I need to see consistent good play in all of them. It, it can't just be a flash here and there like we've seen earlier this year. So, LDJ, I'm going to go with at least five. Yeah, prefer five and, and preferably six. So, I'm, I'm hoping this is a one-game absence uh, for Drew Locke. But even then, if he, play, look, if he plays well down the stretch, it's, it's not going to convince everybody. I mean, no. at this point now, Zach – no matter what happens, we are entering into a season of some controversy and uncertainty because if he plays well, say, in the last five games, it's going to be a similar sentiment to late last year. Like, okay, well, he played when the team was, well when the team was out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, Mason. Unless he goes out and puts like three touchdowns, no picks so over uh, each and every single five or six games yeah. left that he plays, then it's going to be tough. 
And the other thing, LDJ mentions the injuries. And unfortunately, if, uh, if he has a multi-game absence here, this is part of the equation. Because now that will be three injuries in two seasons. And two of them were injuries on hits that he absorbed. And one thing that we're seeing is that uh, Drew, his, his feel for the pass rush is becoming a little bit shaky. And he's not avoiding contact. So is he going to be susceptible to further injuries? Yeah. Best ability is availability. Yeah, three multi-game absences within less than two years is definitely something that you can't ignore at that point. Right, and even though he only missed the two full games earlier this season, remember he was bailed out by the Patriots game being moved. Right, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Mace, before we go any further, got to tell you guys about this weekend's WGT tournament starting Friday, November 20th through Sunday we will be hosting the Retro Open. All country clubs can participate, and better yet, anyone can join. That's right. All you have to do is join the DNVR4 Country Club. If you haven't played, head to Old Course at St. Andrews and enter into the Closest to the Hole Challenge. Submit your screenshot on our pinned Twitter thread at DNVR Sports or email them to info at thednvr.com. And once you have entered to win, we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a DNVR shirt of their choice and mask and we'll ship it straight to you. We'll host a new course every week leading up to Christmas. Winners are picked every Monday, so you've got nothing to lose. So download WGT Golf today. Join the DNVR4 Country Club. Head to St. Andrews and hit some balls to get close to the pin. Enter your screenshots, and you're in. So good luck. All you have to do is play. And, guys, by the way, when you do it, it's so much fun. So make sure to go to WGT, join our DNVR4 Country Club, and play St. Andrews closest to the hole. Uh, good stuff. Another, good, another big tournament coming up in WGT for those in our DNVR clubhouse. Do you need a buzz, but do you also need to feel good? Strava yes. Craft Coffee is there for you if you need this. It is rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-cups for your Keurig, but also get in whole bean or ground form. Purchase it online. Get 20% off using that magical code DNVR20. You, it's not psychoactive. That's the thing with CBD. You get uh, the benefits of marijuana without the psychotropic uh, side effects on that. It'll help, it can help people. People have talked about how CBD has helped deal with long-term migraines, arthritis. It's helped decrease anxiety, all sorts of benefits to CBD. And you get it right there in Strava Craft Coffee. Order it online. It'll ship to you very fast. You can also try it in some spots in the Denver area, of course, Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, So High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, Max Market, and, of course, the DNVR Bar. But you can get it anywhere online so go to strava craft coffee it was is it strava.com i believe or stravacraftcoffee.com yeah use that magical code dmvr20 get 20 percent off your meet your order all right mace so let's continue with our questions next one coming in from bronco turf my boys had to take a few pods off from posting after the dumpster fire sunday but glad to be back i went back and read some articles that were written up after they let skings go and it came across that perhaps there was something in the relationship between him and vic I know Skanks had issues, but he was very much on the right path with his offense. The best defense I saw, the best, the best defense I saw for letting him go was that he was a good play designer, but not a good play caller. And yes, there were absolutely times last season where his play calling had me scratching my head. But just like you expect from a rookie player, I thought he was improving in that area. So if he was gelling with Drew in the offense and was growing as a play caller, then maybe there was an issue with Vic. 
Shermer doesn't exactly seem to be getting glowing reviews from Fangio either, and rightfully so. Could there be an issue with how Vic manages his staff, or am I reading too deep here? I'd like to think any issues on or off the field get ironed out soon so the Broncos aren't looking for their third offensive coordinator in three years with no offense can benefit from. Best case scenario is they bring in a young assistant to help infuse some more innovative play design to this offense and be a liaison between the young offensive core and the old guard calling the shots. But that seems like a pipe dream. Thanks for helping talk us off the ledge each week, guys. Keep up the great work. Well, I think uh, with Vic and Scangarello last year, there was sort of a, a difference in philosophy. Believe it or not, Vic wanted to be more aggressive. Yep than Scangarello was and Scangarello was probably for example protecting Drew Locke a little bit but Vic wanted to push it down field more often and that's uh, what Pat Shermer was brought in for I don't see any you know I, the thing is I don't get the sense that there's any friction going on with Vic and Pat Shermer right now but uh, again this is one of the things where be, not being out there every day because of COVID is really kind of our, affecting our ability to, uh, to, to get a feel for that. We're not in the locker room. We're not around the building. We don't uh, uh, get to see some of those interactions that could be a little bit, a little bit more friction than we get just from those game day glimpses. Yeah, I agree, Mesa. Yeah, be, behind the scenes, Vic did not want to be portrayed as this, uh, this conservative guy. He wanted to be aggressive, and he felt that uh, Scangarello mm-hmm. was holding him back in that respect. Right. Negative, false, positive. Do you think Eric Bieniemy would take a head coaching job with the Broncos, with the Chiefs in the division? What do you all think of Trey Lance? Why do you think the Broncos cannot develop offensive talent? Why do the Broncos have so many injuries? Are there strength and conditioning issues? Has anyone asked Elway if he'll step down? <laughs> I mean, not really a question uh, that, that you ask someone if they're going to, uh, to quit. Um, right. But we'll, we'll, we'll see when we talk to him at the end of the season. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, I think, would absolutely take a head coaching job in, inside the division. It would be an opportunity to head coach in an NFL team. So I think so, definitely. Yeah, I, I think he'll take uh, what, what job comes his way uh, if one does come. We've talked about Trey Lance on some earlier podcasts. Um, I would argue the Broncos are developing offensive talent. I think we've talked about, for example, the wide receivers. They're developing talent there. The players they're getting have consistently gotten better. So I, I think quarterback is sort of overshadowing it but the Broncos are developing some players on the offensive side of the ball yeah I I totally agree next one from Darren Stemple my boys coaching matters I would hate for Drew to have yet another offensive coordinator but it might be necessary what is the offense's identity there is none it just feels like he's up in the booth which I never like from an offensive coordinator unless it's a vet quarterback behind center spinning the playbook wheel it doesn't feel like he's seeing the mistakes and is trying to correct them it's so frustrating. I try to remember if I was this frustrated last year with Skangs because I know he was very frustrating. I don't think Drew is being developed correctly. I'm not saying he's not at fault for the garbage for the garbage takes on him from a lot of people are over the top. Thanks for the great pod. Y'all are the best, and I'll leave you with this. Chris Hudson is the most underrated safety of all time. King Super's donuts and slash windchills are better than any other donuts. Strawberry Pop-Tarts reign supreme. Well, I think your Pop-Tart take is on fire 100%, but I couldn't disagree more with your donut take. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would, I would agree with sorry. that. I'm sorry. Man, a crispy cream that just melts in your mouth. How can you get any better? Yeah, or Tim Horton's jelly donut. <laughs> or the, the mango tango over at Voodoo here in town. Oh, man, you're killing me now. It's not even 11 uh-huh. and I'm craving one. 
I need a donut. I need, <laughs> I need one bad. Low Country Bronco. Guys, I hate to say this, but if by the end of the season we have a pick inside the top 10, that will be the proof to me that Locke is not the guy. If we finish with a top 10 pick, can't we use Vaughn as capital to move up? We cannot miss out on another big-time QB class based on hypotheticals and optimistic fever dreams, LCB, PS, Zach Wilson, or Mac Jones. Ooh, like like both of those guys. Zach's got the the right name, and Max coming from the right school. So like those low country Bronco um, Mace. I think you'd have to find the right team in order for Vaughn to be part of a package to move up. And one that I'm thinking of could be the Miami Dolphins. And remember, the Dolphins could be picking higher than the Broncos this year because they have the Houston Texans pick. And let's say Tua finishes the season just like he started in his three games, and the Dolphins will be thinking. We're Super Bowl contenders next year. And let's make a move. You know, let, let's trade back with the Broncos, move to, you know, 10 or wherever the Broncos are. We'll give up our fifth pick in the draft, wherever the Texans finish. We'll get Von Miller. The Broncos may even have to throw something else in there, a second round pick in order to get that deal done. But then uh, a, a contender gets Von Miller. I could see that happening, but I, I don't see like the Jacksonville Jaguars desperately wanting Von Miller, so trading out of two to get a quarterback. Exactly. Believe it or not, they'd probably want Bradley Chubb more. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you're talking about dangling somebody. Mac Jones, of course, Jerry Jones' grandson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't go to Arkansas, didn't follow Jerry. Right. Well, I mean, going to a place that uh, gets you in a pro-style offense, and I think that's, that, that's part and parcel. The thing is, if they're picking inside the top 10, I suspect they would not need to make a trade to get Mac Jones. Yeah, not for Mac. Nope. Right. Now, if you want Justin Fields, that's where the real and, – and Zach Wilson as well. It's probably where you're talking about the trade possibility coming in. And uh, let's say Justin Fields. Let's say you try to – you have to move up to number two. That would be exciting. Yeah. Let's hypothetically say nine to two. You're probably talking about – the, obviously, your your ninth overall pick, yep. a first a first rounder next year, a second rounder, and then I mean it may be even a few a first rounder beyond that or a, or a big player like a like a Bradley Chubb perhaps. Yeah, you're you're absolutely yeah. right, Macy. You do when you're going nine to two, you do kind mm-hmm. of borderline on that two to three first round pick. So right. may, maybe it is this year's first, next year's first a second or two seconds and Von Miller. I mean, it, it would be something big if you don't want to give up three firsts. Or, like, for example, I mean, I hate to say this name because we all really like him. Maybe you're talking about Cortland Sutton coming off the ACL. Yeah, and, and that, that Mace, I think you're, you're spot on because I think at this point people understand that, you know, for the future, maybe Von has to go, you trade him. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that helps get you something. But you know, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars trading back, if, if that's who has the two pick, they don't want a guy that's, you know, going to be done in two years. They, they want something good. And so right. to give up something good, Cortland Sutton's something really good for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I think your spot on that could be a name. Yeah. And then finally, is this the last one? At least yeah, it was the last time so. I, I yep. Broncos only. I want to bring some positivity to the community in these dark times. Well, boy, we need it. I am so happy to hear about the progress being made with vaccines against coronavirus. 
I miss going to the games. I'm a season ticket holder from out of state and travel to Denver for four games a year. I strain my marriage to the edge of divorce to go to one game per calendar month. So I'm going to comment a very few sh- with a very few short stories about game trips. Hopefully the memories can brighten us up. First game ever. December 15, 1996, as a 17-year-old, I exited a bus on Colfax and rounded the corner to Federal to see the south end of the stadium come into view. Seeing the Bucky the Horse with my own eyes for the first time, it was glorious. Raiders 19, Broncos 24, FTR. You all know what that stands for. <laughs> nice. I love that. I, I love those types of memories. That, that, you know what? I think you're on to something. Broncos only as far as in dark times bringing back memories of happier days here in Broncos country yeah I totally agree man I absolutely love that comment uh Broncos country thank you so much for leaving that and thank you all so much for rolling with us today before we get out of here gotta tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental we've had many of our DNVR family members switch over to Green Mountain Dental over the years and they have had great experiences so many of you guys have reached out saying that you not only love your free Sonicare toothbrush but you love the way that Green Mountain Dental treated you because they did treat you like family in fact Our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental, and she said it was the best dentist experience in her life. The dentist personally called her a couple days after to follow up with her personally, and that's what they do at Green Mountain Dental. They treat you like family, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. So what's better than getting together with family, having family take care of your teeth, and then also being able to talk some Colorado sports? They're a longtime DNVR partner and family member of dnvr so make sure to check them out and schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and you'll receive a free sonicare toothbrush when you do so make sure to tag us on twitter and tweet us and tweet them when you go there so we know that you're part of their family as well so check out green mountain dental schedule that free cleaning x-ray and exam or schedule the cleaning x-ray exam you'll get a free sonicare toothbrush well mace that'll do it for us today thank you guys so much for rolling with us we really really appreciate it we'll dive into this game starting tomorrow talk some miami dolphins there's some very interesting things about the dolphins and this game which we will dive into tomorrow thank you guys so much for rolling with with us for andrew mason i'm zach stevens have a wonderful day It's getting